0: Greetings and welcome back to the Live, Green, or Fry podcast. Today we'll be discussing the 2020 Democratic candidates um, and discussing what distinguishes each candidate um, from one another. So I'm Ellie. I am a genetics major.
1: And a freshman, right? And a freshman. um, I'm Bella. I'm a freshman also who's in mechanical engineering.
2: Uh, Hi, I'm Alex. I'm an environmental conservation and sustainability freshman.
3: I'm Ella, I'm a freshman, and I'm an English
2: major.
0: And then today we also have a guest with us, so... Uh, I'm
4: Ben, and <laughs> I'm a freshman political science major.
0: Okay, um, so to start off our discussion today, I just wanted to start off with a question of um, what would be your perfect candidate? So like, in terms of environmental like issues and legisl- legislations, so like, what issues are most important to you, and how do you think candidates should be? Taking action so we can start with it
3: all. I think for me, like obviously, climate change is so important, and I think there are so many different ways that the candidates have addressed it. But one of the things that I don't really see candidates talking too much about, it has been mentioned by some, but not everyone, is just like making sure that really, um, like, communities of people that are going to be the most affected by climate change, in particular poor people, um, that there are solutions to help them. Because like in America specifically, the areas that are going to be most impacted by climate change are areas where poor people live. Mm-hmm. Definitely.
2: Um, for me, I think what's really important is that we have somebody who's obviously takes it as like one of the most serious issues facing us today. And I think that like it also we need something that's adaptable because it's hard to predict a lot of the stuff that's gonna happen around this there's ways that we can predict it but something that like adapts to take care of what needs to be done and something that's like not it's not somebody who's gonna like shrink away when like
4: there's resistance because there's gonna be a lot of resistance mm-hmm.
1: right definitely
4: um, for me one of the big things that I think some of the candidates focus on a lot I know yang does and John Delaney focus on a lot is Looking at solutions that we can implement right here in the now that aren't perfect but bring us closer and kind of not exactly a band aid effect, but things that push us towards closer to renewables without just completely leapfrogging the issue and going all out on something like a Green New Deal. So, focusing on things like nuclear energy, which can be a lot more effective. And you can see that in other European countries, some that are over 50% nuclear, and that's how they've gone to be mostly renewable and then other technologies that are more business friendly like carbon capture where they can recycle carbon and use it to produce even more energy which isn't a solution in the long run but help us reduce our emissions in the now Mm -hmm. so that we can get closer and develop stronger technologies for the future.
1: No, I definitely agree because that's like a similar thing as to like what I've been wanting looking for too is people and candidates who are going to not just try to come up with this big plan to implement at one point, but start now, start with the smaller things and not be afraid to kind of start now, because I think a lot of people are, like, are so worried about the process or kind of putting it back in the back of their mind as, like, oh, well, it's a what if, like, if we get to that point and then put it down the ladder. Like you said, like, put it as a, one of the top, like, first priorities and everything. Um, like, for example, we watched a video recently about putting sulfur in the air. I don't remember what exactly, what one was that? I don't is know. That a lecture? I think it was in lecture. No, um, no. and it no, it, it isn't in a modules. it wasn't one of our modules. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It's not a solution, but it's one of the steps to kind of make it so we have a little bit more time, so then we can start actually making some. Yeah, making it's kind of like
3: like holding the space until yeah a more comprehensive solution is agreed upon. Exactly, but we can't be scared about it. We gotta start doing it now, or else it'll be too late. Yeah,
4: and the most important part about it is that even though we want to keep the end goal in mind. In terms of where we want to be in 30 40 years it's important that we start now and in all reality the only way with our legislative process that things are going to happen now is if we find something that both sides can agree on
1: yeah
4: i think that when you look at things like nuclear and other business more business friendly solutions not solutions but just things that can hold us over more those are things that both sides can agree on to an extent instead of just pushing forth a big omnibus package and say take it or leave it there's no other choice.
1: Yeah, when it comes to this stuff too, I feel like it's it's kind of beyond politics and I think we need a president who then who can then tell and like come and talk to the community and be like, "Hey, like this is a problem for everybody. It's for
3: humans. It's not like whether you're a Republican or a Democrat." It's I think part of the fact that it's become so partisan is just because there are certain elected officials who deny that it's happening mm-hmm. and like that to me is ridiculous because I don't care what party you are. You should, like the facts exist. This yep. is happening, and so whatever your economic beliefs are, whatever like opinions you may hold, <coughs> you, I I just don't think that that should justify denying that this is happening. Hundred percent.
2: I think that another big issue is that we are like because there's been this delay in picking up and making motions. A lot more of our solutions are becoming more extreme, and so, like, there's less like people who want to go with it because it's this big. Now it's become this big issue. Like this, it's we're moving to this large change when these smaller changes are more agreeable, but they're becoming less effective the longer we wait. So I think that Ben, you had it right when we said that we need to start doing the small things now and we can start moving to the big things as we see this happening more.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'm just gonna start diving into the candidates and what their platforms are. So today, since there's so many candidates that are running, um, we are just going to be focusing on the candidates that were in the most recent debate, which was the 1121 debate um, in Atlanta, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, just to read off those candidates, uh, Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, Andrew Yang, Cory Booker, Tulsi Gabbard, Amy Klobuchar, and Tom Steyer. Um, so to start off, we am going to be talking about um, Elizabeth Warren, and I'm just going to read off some things that are on her platform, um, and we can just discuss like things that we agree with and things that we do not. Um, so... Here um, it says, would mandate that all federal agencies consider climate impacts in developing rules, restore Obama-era water rule, mapping of marginalized communities to better identify climate risk damage, um, a job training guaranteed wage and benefit parity for fossil fuel workers transitioning into other industries, and a Climate Risk Disclosure Act. And I just want to mention that she was a co-sponsor of the Green New Deal but she has her own type of platform, which is like combining a few things that she's been talking about, which is green manufacturing. Um, she has a proposal on land use, proposal on a green military, and then also proposal for green energy resources. She's combining it
3: to her climate change act.
0: Um,
3: so do we have any thoughts on that? I just wanna say, I feel as though her plan is kind of the medium between what you were saying and because like you were addressing how um, we need a media action and we need action that is going to appeal to both parties and people with a majority a variety of opinions And I think this plan is really comprehensive in that it still supports the Green New Deal Which I feel is so immensely important and needs to be passed um, And implemented, but it also um, Includes like the provisions very specifically regarding the economy and how jobs are going to be created and how people are going to be affected and then also um, addressing Um, how marginalized communities are going to be affected by it and what ways she could help as president.
4: Yeah, I definitely think that's an important thing. The part about guaranteeing some sort of parity in jobs to people that currently work in fossil fuels is a really big thing because if we're talking about on a federal level, you know, starting to move towards whether it be through regulation or taxes, essentially making the entire coal industry just non-existent anymore, you know that's a big thing that if you're talking about just wanting to get one of these candidates elected if you're saying that you're going to shut down and have all these people lose their jobs that's a big thing for donald trump to say in a debate and get a lot of support in saying and so having a program like that even though it might not be quite as far as some of the jobs programs in the green new deal itself is definitely a big thing that i think a lot of <coughs> Republicans could get behind if it's presented in the right way.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, so let's move on. The next person you're gonna talk about is Joe Biden. Um, And so, um, again, I'm just gonna read off, and then I'm just gonna keep discussion to like two minutes just so we have enough time to talk about everyone. Okay. Um, So Joe Biden says he was the first to introduce a climate change bill in the Senate, um, and that's referring to the Global Climate Protection Act of 1986. Um, he is a lifetime environmental voting score of 83%. Those are just more facts about him. Um, he wants to embrace the Green New Deal as a crucial framework, in his words. Um, he wants to reduce emissions, achieve ne- net zero emissions by 2050, and help coal workers transition to a new clean energy economy. Okay.
2: It's... Um I find it interesting that he he only has a score of 83%. I Now, I'm not entirely familiar with what that exactly means, but I assume from the context it means that 83% of the time, if there's like a climate bill, he's going to approve of it, correct?
3: It's more like an independent organization mm-hmm. rates yeah, it candidates. Says so it's kind of like how the NRA rates candidates and okay. gives them scores based on like how they vote. Mm-hmm. It's probably, I don't know what organization this is, but my assumption would be is that it is an independent organization that rates um, legislators on the votes that they're making okay. as opposed to how those votes are affecting climate-related issues. Yeah, um,
0: so just like looking into what exactly that means. Um, so it's done by the League of Conservation Voters. And so they are, um, it says here, the League of Conservation Voters works to turn environmental values into national, state, and local policies. And so, I think it's like an independent group. So they did this reading themselves, Mm -hmm. that their lifetime score is 83%.
3: So whether that's And that's I think that's also attests to the fact that he's just been in government for so long. Yeah. And a no, lot of I people agree. definitely like him for that. Yeah. But a lot of people I would say I think it's time for a change. I think Daddy. like maybe he he's been there faces.
2: for too long. Yeah.
3: <coughs> okay. Um
0: so next person we'll be talking about is Bernie Sanders. Um so some things that he talks about on his platform is to introduce a carbon tax and dividend bill when in Senate. Um, A National Energy Efficiency Grant Program passed in 2007. That's just something that he's done. Um, He supports a Green New Deal. Um, He wants to declare climate change as a national energy emergency. That's a typo. Um, So um, 100% renewable energy by 2030 and complete decarbonization by 2050. Um, Create 20 million new jobs in clean energy, energy efficiency, and technology. More sustainable farming. Break up big agribusinesses. And advocate for a carbon tax. Ooh,
1: seeing like agriculture on there, I think that's really yeah, important because yeah. we've been talking about that a lot in class. And just, I didn't realize how much of a big problem it was, and how much of a cascading effect it had. And so seeing that he actually has something on with that, I don't know if other candidates do though. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing. I think it's hard though to distinguish which ones are the best if all of them are trying to target this because it's popular right now. Like right. how many people mm-hmm. are going to actually take it? And exactly?
3: that's kind of like where you as an individual because most of the candidates are addressing the same issues, exactly. they just have different plans of how to implement them. Yeah. And a lot of people don't necessarily see, like, just to compare Bernie to Elizabeth Warren, a lot yes. of people don't see them as very, very similar, and they are, they have very similar ideas. The only difference between them is the plans that they're proposing to implement them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they have the, the same things matter to them, the, the same issues are what they're gonna focus on, they just Definitely. have slightly different plans or vastly
2: different, depending yeah. on the topic. Yeah, no, I definitely think, I, I like the fact that he's made agriculture a big, because the way we farm and we gather our food is also gonna change with our growing population, which is something else we've talked about, but I think it's gonna be like, if, not, if it's not an issue now, it will be, which I think is a lot of the reason why we're behind is because, and like why some of these more drastic ideas are important because we have dropped the ball, sort of, on the climate crisis, and so a lot of these issues that are popping up from it are like slow, are not very slowly anymore, but rapidly going out of our control. And mm-hmm. I think maybe jumping on top of important issues is good now. Okay.
4: okay.
0: Um. So the next candidate is Kamala Harris. Um. Say that. She supports Green New Deal, and she was a co-sponsor. And I didn't mention it, but Bernie Sanders was also a co-sponsor for the Green New Deal. Um, and so Kamala Harris uh, pledges $10 trillion in investment over 10 years in the clean energy transition. She wants 100% carbon-neutral electricity by 2030, and she wants to institute a climate pollution fee. And um, it's also, as a San Francisco district attorney, just as some history, she created an environmental justice unit. Ooh,
3: so. I like the idea of
0: the fee. Me too. Yeah, no, definitely. I definitely, or I think that the taxes. I mean, Bernie also has a carbon tax. So. Yeah, I think I, a yeah. lot. Of, I think a lot of the candidates are yeah.
3: proposing similar things.
0: Yeah,
2: I definitely think that having a tax is very important because, it's. I think, that's a way of economically, making it so that it's applying. And this is some. It's a strategy that I think works better than government regulation because there's a lot that goes into government regulation. There's and there's a well, lot it of. It is a can, form of
3: government regulation.
2: Well, it's not like passing a law that bans it. Right. It's it's something that can be a lot. It's easier to implement than government regulation because <laughs> a lot of that requires a a justice system that's yeah. fast and. If you have a if you speed up a justice system it's Yeah, loses it's more of like an t-
3: incentivization need. to do the
1: right thing because you're gonna have to pay if you're not. Yeah, and I think that's mm-hmm. gonna make people more like aware of what they're doing to you and their choices. And so if any president can like implement something like that, then it'll be
2: good.
4: I mean, for me personally, having a carbon tax is something where I would kinda of draw the line on really? as far as having something. Just because of the elasticity of the fossil fuels market. Would really mean a carbon tax would push all that burden back onto the consumers and especially when you talk about as we're moving forward helping the poorest among us go forward those are the people that would be hurt the most by a carbon tax Mm -hmm. not the people not the businesses and not the wealthier people that use a lot more Mm -hmm. so i think focusing on solutions that look to incentivize businesses to move over and look to push these fossil fuels companies in the right directions are a lot more just better in the long run than trying to kind of just force consumers to hey here's a better choice when that choice really isn't cheaper yet yeah no i think that's a
0: good point okay so we're going to move on to cory booker um and so he has also supported the green new deal um i believe i read that he was also a co-sponsor um he ha- wants to pledge by 2030 $3 trillion to shift to 100% carbon-free electricity, um, carbon-neutral economy by 2045, which is in line with the Paris Climate Agreement, which I believe we left as a country, um, the carbon fee and dividend dividend plan, um, and extending tax credits for wind, solar, energy storage, and electric vehicles, and federal vehicle fleet all-electric by 2030, and, and
3: also environmental
0: it's just interesting really
3: cuz cool. I just feel like we're hearing a lot of the same things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I and it's like hard because obviously climate based issues are so important to these candidates and so but, it's a priority for them. But then at the same time like it's just going to depend on how they're implementing it. It comes yeah. down
2: to who we can actually who we actually like believe is going to work to implement these and like I said who is not going to because they're going to, who's going to not back down to, so that they can, like, have a better chance of getting reelected when, like, there's, because there's going to be a big pushback to some some of these policies that are presented. And, and so, right. who's when it comes down to it's going to be like, oh, yeah, but I'm not super serious about it. And yeah. who's going to be like, I'm sorry, but this is something that we need to get done yeah. because otherwise we're going to be facing yeah. A lot worse alternatives.
1: I'm just nervous about not being educated enough. Then, like uh, us as a society, electing a, a candidate that says all this stuff but doesn't like stay strong to
3: their promises. Right. Well, so that's why I think it's really important. A, lo- a couple of the Democratic candidates. I don't necessarily know anything about the Republicans running, but a lot of the, a couple of the Democratic candidates um, have pledged not to take money from like super PACs, and um, all of the money that they're receiving is like donations, and so like from individuals, not from like organizations or companies or industries. And I think that's really important because that's gonna show, or to me, that says that these candidates want the people to influence their decisions, not the oil industry or the fossil fuel industries. Because in the past, we've seen candidates receiving donations from these industries and oftentimes the policies that they implement like, you know what I mean? Like, but they kind of their influence. No,
4: like, some of those candidates, do they still take money from unions? Or is it just Well, exclusively I think unions are different bad?
3: because unions are still individuals. Yeah, not the mm-hmm. com-
4: The only thing is, in states where right to work doesn't exist, union members don't have a choice. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah,
2: no, I think that's a good point. Okay. Because also they have their own interests to just well I think everyone has
0: interests. Yes yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so moving on, uh, talking about Pete Buttigieg um, So uh, he wants to have a t- he has a certain like timeline for a net zero emission society no later than 2050. And so his plan is to by 2025 double the clean electricity generated in the US. By 2035, build a clean electricity system with zero emissions and requires zero emissions for all new passenger vehicles. By 2040, it requires net zero emissions for all new heavy-duty vehicles, buses, rail, ships, and aircraft, and develop a thriving carbon removal industry. And by 2050, achieving net zero emissions from industry, including steel and concrete manufacturing and our agriculture sectors. And he also supports a Green New Deal. And um, in 10 years, and a $200 billion commitment to restrain workers <coughs> displaced in the transition away from fossil fuels. Um, Wait. And he wants. What? Sorry, never mind. And then he also wants to have a bigger U.S. international leadership role in climate change and the global clean energy transition. <coughs> Sorry.
2: <coughs> See, what I like about that was that it that felt like very concrete. Like it felt. A lot of these are like, oh yeah, I'm gonna place these policies, but it felt like that. I don't know whether so, it was just that he's talked more about it or whether more information's available about it, I But feel it like, feels a lot more structured. I
0: feel like though all the some candidates are talking about these things, but he's just giving like years to it. Whereas like candidates have these ideas, but he's literally just giving yeah. years to. Like, and I would I
3: would encourage people like even our listeners um, of this podcast to actually go on the websites of these candidates and because that's where they have their actual plans broken down. Yeah. And so like we're addressing them very briefly here, trying to just to give a summary of what each candidate is like interested in and kind of like the the gist of their plans basically. But if you want a more comprehensive breakdown of what exactly they're proposing, I would recommend going to their websites.
1: Yeah, also like other people's too, to see like, like what they're saying to make them look good, but then also like
4: I definitely feel like one of the problems with if you're someone that climate change and solving it is your key issue is that there's kind of come to this point in the Democrat field where there's kind of like a baseline support for climate change solutions that every candidate has to agree to at this point. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's gotten to the point where it's like, you know, it's like gun rights for Republicans. Like if you don't agree with it to an extent, like get out. You're not in the conversation. Mm -hmm. And that kind of if you're someone where this is the key issue that would really worry me because that kind of says that now if you're at that baseline which a lot of these candidates that's where they are mm-hmm. is is it really an important issue because mm-hmm. you're saying this but it's almost like some you're saying it because you have to see
1: that's what is my issue and like my worry is like us choosing something just cuz it's like the baseline and they they have to Yeah say it. no
2: like, that's why i think it's important that like <laughs> candidates give that structure i mean and obviously, I don't know if all the other candidates have that structure. Most we of them just, do. They? Most
0: yeah. of them do. It's just how okay. this summarization looks like Yeah, yeah. but you know, at
4: that point, still, still if everyone mm-hmm. is saying it, yeah. that's not necessarily sort of yeah. saying it wouldn't happen. It's just saying it would be a little worrying to me if that was your key issue of and signing with someone that's so then what do we just buying in what they need so then to. So then that's
3: where I think we should look for comprehensive plans and, like, Uh, Candidates that actually go deeper into it and like are proposing serious, possible, and like practical solutions, like tangible, exactly. That's what I'm looking for. Like the um, candidates who actually have the step by step plans to do that, yeah, to achieve that. Okay, so the
0: next person we're gonna be discussing is Andrew Yang, Um, and so his platform is net zero emissions by 2050. Um, require all new buildings to be net-zero emissions by 2025. Um, by 2030, all new car models to be zero emissions. And by 2040, transportation sectors to be net-zero. Um, he has a carbon fee and dividend system, and wants to back investment in new, new nuclear technologies. And I was reading that um, he thinks that the Green New Deal is a good idea, but he has issues with the timeline for ending air travel. And like certain different aspects of it. So I think he has agrees with some aspects of it, but he doesn't support the deal completely. So,
1: what's the air tra- travel part in the Green New Deal that,
3: like,
4: he. Yeah, so I know this was when it first came out. I don't know if this is still a part of it or not, but in the original version, they wanted to basically end all air travel by a certain date. And I know Tulsi Gabbard was like, instantly, was like, okay. I'm from the state of Hawaii. Like, yeah. what am I going to do? Wait, like... So like people are going to take boats?
1: Yeah, so did the Green New Deal want to stop all air travel? Like,
4: I wouldn't take that as a serious part of it what at this like, point. It's more so of just...
3: Probably a, su- a suggestion. L-
4: moving to things like high-speed rails yeah. that are a lot more Looking efficient. for
3: more energy-sufficient... I mean, efficient, like, solutions. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no. I, I definitely... You know, what I like about that this thing is that it wasn't just a yes I support it it's yeah but I also acknowledge that there's issues with it because nothing is perfect and obviously like this is still a relatively new legislation plan so just saying oh yeah I support it I feel like that is the baseline but uh, but bringing up that it has issues I think is important and I think that like it, it also is, like, it also shows that they're taking it into account more than just the, oh, checking off a box. It's, yeah. I've read this, I've looked at this, and I've, like, evaluated it.
3: So my only issue with that is just, like, I think that the Green New Deal is a very comprehensive and well-planned-out proposal, and I mm-hmm. think that, like, obviously, with, with any bill, there's going to be parts that are stronger <laughs> than others, and, like, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. But I think that the fact that debate just keeps continuing is almost like a stalling point and I think it's more important to pass it or to try to pass it as quickly as possible because if we keep debating about it more and more and more it's just not gonna like that's not I think it's just more important to get it passed
0: so going back to the comment about the um, airline travel um, here I'm reading in the the website um, it's talking about how people were interpreting some of the language in the proposal as mm-hmm. ending air travel. But here it's saying that, because um, some people were taking it as an um, end to air travel and building trains over the oceans, um, but there's no language in the bill that actually says that. And so um, I think it's more people interpreting to say that's, that's what people were publicizing that they was interpreting to that. Okay, um, okay moving forward, <laughs> um, right. Amy Klobuchar. Uh, so, within the first 100 days, she wants to restore a clean power plan, um, which is to reduce power plant emissions, um, revive fuel economy standards <coughs> for vehicles, strengthen enforcement of the Clear Air Act, Clean Air Act, uh, recommit the U.S. to the Paris Climate Agreement, and she wants to have a goal of net zero emissions by 2050, streamline permitting process for new renewable energy production on federal land, and she also co-sponsored the Green New Deal, but she doesn't embrace the plan. Oh, okay. That's interesting that
1: she's a co-sponsor. That Yeah, is
2: a very, like, checking the box. I've co-sponsored it. I don't really support it, but, you know, I'm... I I was part of it, so I have to be for climate.
1: But I do like that she has, like, within the first 100 days, has, like, a plan for that, because I think that people are going to hold her more responsible
0: for it, since it's such a short timeline. Mm
1: -hmm. Well,
0: the first 100 days thing came from um, FDR's... Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. presidency where it was like he did so many things in his first 100 days now people compare like what does each president do in the 100 days so I think that's what mm-hmm. she's trying to say yeah,
4: yeah. yeah no, I definitely think that whole like checking the box thing is definitely a way of these candidates kind of virtue signaling to the audience that like I'm embracing climate change as an issue and I want to solve it and this is like as of now this is the most comprehensive quickest best way to do it that everyone knows about, and it's kind of almost a buzzword in the media at this point because everyone's heard it. So for them to just say, "I co-sponsored the Green New Deal," it just kind of for people that are you know haven't actually read the full plans and might not go on the candidate's website, that's just an instant checks a box in their head. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's the framing of it. It's literally the marketing of them. The
0: yeah. Okay. So moving on, uh, Tom Steyer. <clears throat> So he supports Green New Deal legislation. He declares climate change a national emergency. Uh, he wants 100% clean electricity by 2040, um, net zero grass, green, grass greenhouse yeah. gas emissions by 2045 across all sectors. Um, he wants a civilian climate corps, which is $250 billion over 10 years, 1 million jobs, and wants to commit $2 trillion over 10 years to make infrastructure more climate-friendly and resilient.
3: What I like about Tom Steyer is that um, he's running on a platform of fighting climate change. Like this is really, Mm -hmm. he's addressing other issues, but this is the issue that he's talking about. This is what all of his campaign ads talk about. Like that's his. Mm -hmm. I don't know what his motto is, but I know it has something to do with that. Like this is his issue.
1: Okay. Also, it's really interesting that he was out of everything and then he got brought back in.
2: Yeah. No.
3: So there, that was addressed in the debate. one of the moderators asked him a question. Um, how, how would you address the fact that, because he's a billionaire. Yeah. So they said, how would you address the fact, or the um, like arguments that you bought your way into the debate? Yeah. And then Andrew Yang defended him, and he said something that I really liked. He said, um, like, this, Tom Steyer is a billionaire who's been using his money for good. And so, like, he does have a track record of using his money for environmental activism purposes. I think he's the founder of NextGen. Is that true? Does anyone know? I'm Google. Someone told me that. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. Um, we'll fact check that. <laughs> <laughs> but like just saying like he's not pulling high, so very, it's very unrealistic yes. at this point. Yes, he was the founder of NextGen. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is a um, youth movement of environmental activism. Yeah, mm-hmm. but um I think it's really interesting because he's not holding high. He's at the end of the debate stage, yeah. I wonder- which means that he's just he's just barely has enough support to be on that stage. Yeah. And so that puts him in a position where he can talk about the issues that he really cares about. He's not trying to check boxes and try to like appeal to people because I don't he just wants to put these ideas out there and get them into people's heads. Yeah. And I really admire him for that. Yeah.
2: I, I also like the fact that he has a more... Econ- he ha- I think all the candidates have an economic view of things, but yeah. him being a billionaire and him, like... Because he pretty much... He's, like, a self-made billionaire. I think him having that economic <coughs> view gives him this... Gives him a better, like, standpoint from where to make decisions around climate change that are not gonna damage the economy and not gonna harm a lot, like harm the poor people by making changes that are ultimately gonna affect them more than it's gonna affect the people who are really making issues, like the rich companies that are just mm-hmm. polluting our waters and everything.
3: And with that being said, I think he's in a really good position to be named um, as a part of whatever candidate who wins the primary of their um, like team and their cabinet. To work on these specific issues that yeah. he cares so much about, and that he has the um, like knowledge of.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, sorry. Was sneeze. <laughs> um, so the last candidate is going to be Tulsi Gabbard, um, and so her platform. Uh, so she, I was reading that she supports a Green New Deal's zero emission goals, but doesn't really agree with anything else mm. on the, or like doesn't agree with many other things in the plan. Um, she introduced off fossil fuels for a better future act in 2017. Um, She wants 100% of electricity sold in the US to come from clean energy sources by 2035. She wants zero emission vehicles, extend tax credits for wind and solar production and investment, modernize electricity grids to help states set renewable energy standards, and um, wants to have an importance of investing in sustainable infrastructure and agriculture.
4: Yeah, no, that's a very interesting stance to put out there where you basically say I have the same goals as the Green New Deal <laughs> <laughs> but I, do, I just disagree
2: that's <laughs> and secret. I don't have another solution yeah
4: no I think that's
2: that's all that's kind of a non-starter like oh yeah I want to make these changes but I don't like this solution to it and then not providing your own like solution I think it's it's a very <coughs> I don't think making these solutions is easy but I think that if you're going to like combat the best option
4: then you're gonna that you have you have to bring something to the table yeah
1: and
4: you know it's definitely weird that kind of everyone is on the democrat side is bought into this like all clean by 2050 type of thing which is kind of just what it's come to at this point and no one really wants to stray from that at all which obviously if we did all these plans if we could somehow like run a simulation not all of them are going to line up with that. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand really why people won't just say, I think this is too ambitious. We should do this instead. It'll be a little slower, but it'll help in these ways. But people are kind of just too scared to say that at this point and really say what they really think. So they just go in and say, yeah, I agree. And then let's not talk about it.
3: Well, I think we need long-term goals and short-term goals. And so like the specific plans... That would be reached by 2050 are those long-term goals that I think are absolutely necessary because those are the point that we need to be working towards but then I agree that there needs to be short-term plans in the interim to actually create change that we can see because that's necessary too. Mm -hmm. I think short-term
0: goals are really important too because a lot of these long-term goals are by 2050 and I mean say they're in office for eight years like someone could get in and completely Want, not even want to accomplish all the long-term goals. So I think it's really important that they're setting short-term goals that they can accomplish in their presidency, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whereas, I mean, I mean, we kind of saw that with the last presidency, the switch where it was like um, Trump came into office and kind of undid a few things that Obama was trying yeah, to... Like was health, stri- healthcare yeah, like health care. Yeah, striving for. So it's I think it's a, short-term goals are really important because you mm-hmm. never really know what's going to happen in the future. That's a valid point. And so, um, so what do you guys think? Just like to about all the different environmental platforms of the candidates, like as a whole. I mean, I think going through these, I realize that a lot of them have the same ideas. Yeah. Um, and I definitely think that you're talking about how it's like climate change is it's non-discussional yeah. on the, in the Democratic Party right. candidacy. Like it's non-discussional about it. it's an issue. Mm-hmm. And so I think that things that distinguish the candidates between themselves might not necessarily be, like the biggest distinguishments for the candidates aren't necessarily their climate change, or yeah, their absolutely. environmental legislations. Yeah. So I think what's defining these candidates more is their action and policies in mm-hmm. different
3: areas. Yeah. And that's been, I mean, that's been a topic of conversation among a lot of, like, reports and stuff is just how very similar all of these ideas are, because, again, that's what the Democratic Party is kind of expected to fall into. That's what Democratic voters support. And so, like what you said, the issues that really distinguish them and that people are going to pick their candidates for, I feel like will fall into other topics. Um, so... I'm just gonna like
0: try to wrap this up really quickly and say, um, what issues do you think candidates, what environmental environmental issues do you wish candidates talked more about? Not because I feel like climate change is such a big topic. Like, what issues do you think there should be more discussion about? Because there's obviously other things that are yeah, going on. Yeah,
3: um, I think a big one is clean water. Um, mm-hmm. like Flint still doesn't have clean water. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of times candidates do bring it up, but it's only simply to, like, make the point. Like, yeah. plenty, it doesn't still have still doesn't have clean water. And, like, that needs to be something that... Water is a human right. I, everyone deserves equal access to water, and I think that needs to be stressed.
0: I think in our lecture also we've been talking a lot about water, mm-hmm. and it's interesting to know... Like, we were talking about how in, like, the Great Plains, like, where there's a lot of agriculture use, the aquifer in that area is being demolished. Yeah. And it's becoming essentially a non source Mm -hmm. like groundwater itself so it's interesting to um, see how like these areas that normally have I mean water is technically a renewable source Mm -hmm. because it's
2: it's it's a water cycle it it goes goes. through a
0: cycle so the fact that we're you know taking water so quickly from the earth and not letting it go through the cycle
3: Mm and replenish itself and again the people that are most impacted by that are these marginalized communities yeah, mm-hmm.
1: and I think that with water, if candidates could start talking about it more, talking about it in the way of businesses, companies, and agriculture, and less on like what individuals can do, because we learned about how like ten um, percent of our water use is from like our household use and like what we personally do. And so, like, w- yes, of course, we're still going to make a difference if we start like you know uh, taking quicker showers and stuff. Mm-hmm. But not as much if we start directing it towards companies and ag. So. Yeah, also plastic, I don't know how much they talk about with plastic or if they just talk about recycling, but like revamping the whole recycling thing, like trying to figure out better ways mm-hmm. to um, reducing the amount of plastic we use or just yeah, in, in general.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think a big issue that's kind of ignored, it, it, I'm kind of straying from the presidential candidates, but I think everybody kind of ignores how important local politics, like mm-hmm. local governments, are for this because making making this is for most laws, making changes on the federal level is really difficult. Mm-hmm. The, the local governments pass a lot more laws in general mm-hmm. than the federal government yeah, does. My town
3: just passed a plastic bag tax,
2: and they it's I feel like it's a generally ignored topic. Like, I know a lot of people who like didn't even think about voting in their like voting in their. Local Their local elections back home. Here, I've met a couple people who are like, "Oh yeah, I didn't vote in this election," and I think that we're so swept up in the big, "Oh, who's going to be the next president? Who's going to be making, striving to make these changes on a federal level?" That we kind of ignore the fact that while big businesses are a huge issue with uh, all things related to climate change and our planet's ego and. Our planet's health I think that on a local level the consumer side can be like dealt with on at local government levels and I yeah, think that if we definitely. focus on like bringing more attention to because big media outlets aren't gonna cover like a towns like towns political debates like if they have them like because that's not gonna be <coughs> big viewing like,
0: I think also something important is that like if there's enough change on a local level, like it could be like a bottom up effect. Yeah, bottom local, up effect. Local
3: politics, politics influence federal politics.
0: Especially because, like my town implement like a ban on plastic bags. Like you can't even get them in stores anymore. You have to either bring your own or you have to buy a reusable mm-hmm. one when you get there. So, I definitely think that like if there's change more on like a smaller level, it could attract even statewide.
2: I feel like there's this big ignoring like what happens in a state government.
4: Yeah, no, I feel like one of the things only to be wary about that, although is because I've sat in and talked with some of our state senators on things like a carbon tax going in effect for the state level because some cities and states have been pushing for that. Mm-hmm. And that's just a thing, especially in a state like New Hampshire, to be really scared about because if we put in to effect a carbon tax that was significant enough that it would actually do something, it would be very easy for a lot of the state to just you know, buy their gas a town over in Vermont and avoid it. And that just completely, you know, takes away from the local economies and it takes away from whatever you want that money to go to. So even though definitely something's like a plastic bag tax wouldn't really, you know, make people want to go somewhere else to shop, but if you think too big on a local level, it could definitely cause a reverse effect. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. absolutely
3: why some issues belong on the federal
0: level and some are
3: better handled on a local level. Definitely. That's a good
0: point to make. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Um, you'll on our 2020 candidate, Democratic Candidates edition. Um, so you can find Live Greener Fry on YouTube and Instagram, I believe. Um, so you can come check us out. We have other podcasts coming out. Um,
3: and where can they listen
0: to us? Oh yeah, and you can listen <laughs> on Spotify and iTunes. And so um, thank you for listening and tune in next time.